Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, June the 19th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about a, a really horrible week for Governor Hutchinson, uh, rising coronavirus cases, uh, exposés on uh, state's mishandling of the outbreak and Cummins Prison, um, on and on. We'll also talk about casinos and Confederate statues and who knows what else. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hey. So uh, I, I thought this really was was uh, Governor Hutchinson's worst showing uh, politically uh, since the coronavirus began this week, uh, just at, at really every turn this week. Well, one thing was, is the bad news kept coming. And I won't say he gets a real hard time from the reporters that assemble for his daily briefings, and he spends them pretty effectively most days. But some questions just had to be asked, like, isn't it true that that the numbers are going up a record again today, 700 cases? Uh, isn't it true that the, that the hospitalization rate is rising? Isn't it true that the ICA, ICU bed number is rising? Isn't it true that there are these mass outbreaks in some of the state's biggest counties that we haven't seemed to be able to quell? And isn't it true that you're not that you're letting everybody go back to work in the middle of all this, like everything's fine? And he just looks pretty stupid, if you want to know the truth. Kansas has, has put a quarantine on anybody from Arkansas. We're among the leading states in terms of percentage of testing positive. It's running 7% and more every day. When the World Health Organization says if you can't get it down to 5% for two weeks, you shouldn't be going back to work as normal, which we're doing anyway. And he just refuses to do anything about masks in the face of overwhelming evidence that huge chunks of Arkansas will not wear them. Some of it is political. Some of it is false macho. Some of it is, it's not affecting my area, so I won't do it. And he, he said today at his news conference, the, the facts show that if 50% of the people wear them, it'll really reduce the infection rate. Well, 50% aren't wearing them. You know, they're just not, and he won't do it. And he finally had to admit in a roundabout way today that one of the reasons he doesn't want to mandate it is because he can't enforce it. I mean, you'd you'd have to write a hundred thousand tickets to people for not wearing masks. Yeah, but the, there there's still value in having laws or directives. Of course, of course, there is. Yeah, and, and, and not not only is he not uh, doing anything proactive, he's act, he's actually standing in the way of of Fayetteville and Little Rock. I mean, Fayetteville has said it's going to go ahead. We'll wait and see about Little Rock, but he. He has said, I think it's important that citizens of Arkansas know that state law trumps trumps uh, local. Right. He, he keeps saying that. But the question is, is how is he going to enforce that? Fayetteville's mayor today said, we're moving ahead. It's a requirement. You're going to do it or you're going to have to face a civil penalty. The governor said that's not legal under his directive. Well, I guess he's hoping on somebody maybe getting a ticket and then suing it over and getting it struck down. I don't, he may be careful what he wants to wish for because somebody might say, Governor, you've gone a little far on some of these directives. It looks like to us. Of course, the, the most insulting thing about this is, is here is the governor who has stripped the working man and 
Wade Slave of Arkansas of his ability to sue somebody who damages them by getting them sick. And that doesn't bother him. Depriving somebody of an Arkansas constitutional right is A-OK with him, but he won't make somebody put on a goddamn mask so they don't infect other people because he's, he's clearly afraid of the blowback. He keeps saying, well, you know, people, it's become a political thing and people don't like to be told what to do in Arkansas. Yeah, well, take off the goddamn speed limits then, you know, because what's the point? People don't like them. Yeah, yeah. And and this well, his, anyway. it's his insistence over and over that that the way to go about it is just to educate. Well, that ain't working so well. One thing that's going to be interesting is the mayor's uh, press spokesman told me this afternoon that he still will have an emergency order. It's going to come at the first of next week. And what the specifics are, they won't say. You know, when he first announced this, he said something about not impinging on commerce or something, which is kind of a trick word in the governor's order. But I just don't see how you can order masks at the same time you basically say, but you don't have to. I mean, I hope it's a meaningful order because I think we need it. Uh, And I think the mayor has generally tended in the right direction on safety, but he's been he's been restricted by the state order. Uh, I hope this is an order that that is is defined of it like Fayetteville has been, because, you know, you there's some places in town you can go here where everybody's wearing a mask. There are some places you can go and nobody is. And, and that includes the workers. And that's and that's really offensive. I mean, I mean, I'm to the point where I won't go in a business where they're not wearing masks. I mean, yeah. because it's like it's just it's just an insult. But well, we'll there there was a really interesting legislative hearing this week that I covered where you had top hospital leaders from UAMS and elsewhere really sounding the alarm on, you know, what the, the late summer and fall looks like. Uh, the, the projections now show that September or October is when at least the first wave is going to peak in Arkansas. Uh, a model from the University of Washington projects that infection rates will be 10 times what they are now. UAMS, College of Public Health projects that there'll be 50 times. And if that projection comes true, uh, the, the leader said that our our healthcare system will be overwhelmed. But, uh, it, you know, Cam Patterson, the chancellor of UAMS, has, has pretty much stayed in lockstep with the governor. He's been, you know, kind of in a rah-rah supportive role. But I, it, it seemed as if he he sort of decided to step out and and try to do his own sort of PR effort, uh, but possibly because the governor isn't doing enough. Yeah, well, every doctor says the same thing. I mean, the Healthcare Institute, they say the same thing. They, they tend to be sending the messages that this is nuts. And, and every day there's a new report from somewhere, 160 people in the Benton County Jail, 26 people at the Children's Colony in, in Conway. They had to send 200 work, state workers home from DHS this week because a sick person went to work sick all week and got infected. And some people have tested positive. Who knows how many more? There are clusters of athletes at various colleges that are testing positive. And it's just not magically go away. That's the thing is Asa in a benign sort of way without the without the slurs and and, and kind of stupid things Trump says is just being sort of a nicer, gentler Trump. It's like somehow we're going to do this. It's going to go away. We're going to open school. And so what's going to happen when, when you know, 25 kids get sick in a school? What, and, you know, you're going to, you're going to open, then you're going to close. I, I, ULR's guidelines are out. And, 
you know, they're going to reduce the dorm size and they're going to phase in the workforce returning to work and who knows what all, but we, we really just don't know. And, and, but Trump, Asa Trump, I <laughs> Freudian slip said at his news conference today that we're going to have school in the fall. We're going to have it. There may be outbreaks. We're going to have school. Well, you know, easy for him to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> We could talk about this all day, but let's let's move on and and talk about. Uh, well, I did love that he said, if you go to the Trump rally in Tulsa wearing a mask, and if you don't wear a mask, maybe you ought to get tested when you come back. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the Pope County Casino. Big development this week. Yeah, well, they uh, the the Mississippi operator Gulfside Partnership and the Cherokee Nation made their pitches to the racing commissions, uh, and they scored them seven members each. Scored them on a hundred point scale, and at the end of the day, the the somewhat of a surprise, Gulfside won by sixty five points out of about twelve hundred points. Well, the only problem was is a commissioner named Butch Rice, who's a trucking uh, magnate from BB, uh, had a seventy one point advantage. For uh, Gulfside, and and I mean, it just smells the high heaven. And throughout the the deliberations, Butch Rice seems to have been prepped with questions I asked from Gulfside's point of view. He he clearly had been on Gulfside's team from the beginning, and so and they've been warned to try and these applications are both pretty good. Your scores really ought to be nuanced and ought to be fairly close together. Don't just give people a zero. Well. Bush Rice gave him the functional equivalent of a zero. His his scoring gap was enough. The Cherokees won the total votes in the other six commissioners, but his vote was so big it overcame all the rest of it. It's just like a mathematical impossibility to overcome a 71-point margin. Well, uh, the Cherokees today filed a couple of affidavits. Number one said Bush Rice was biased and, and, and made this vote so meaningless by his arbitrary vote that it ought to be thrown out. And there's some precedent. In Arkansas law, it's an administrative procedures. It's not exactly an appeal, but it's effectively an appeal. It said that he developed a friendship, they claim, with Terry Green, the co-owner of Gulfside, that they'd been seen together, dining together down in Oaklawn and, and being big pals. So, you know, maybe it was just a pal thing, but, but that's an appearance of bias, and he shouldn't have voted if he's a pal of his. They also said he'd misrepresented his background by not disclosing everything about his background as a, as a former casino owner-operator with companies that had been involved in three different bankruptcies, one of them very long-standing. And he, he got asked about this yesterday, and I want to say the com- commissioner that asked him about this probably got prepped by the other side, but it was a legitimate question about his involvement in bankruptcies and uh and he said, well, I've never had a personal bankruptcy, and that may be true, but he's he's had quite a lengthy string of dealings that raised some questions. I mean, that was the one thing about Butch Rice's score, low-balling the Cherokees. They're a bigger operation. They're a longer-running operation. they got a cleaner record. They have buku money, and uh, the guy he voted for is going to have to borrow $200 million from Wells Fargo and says, not to worry, I mean, Every, they're dying to loan me money because, you know, times are so great in America. Well, they're not. I mean, the coronavirus has left casinos on a great deal of uncertainty. It's just, I mean, I just don't see how anybody with a straight face could say the Cherokees were less qualified financially than Gulfside was. I mean, there were things about Gulfside, though. They said we're a better marketer. Or we're going to have a bigger casino. Our design is fancy or wah, 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 whatever. But as I say, I mean, I think there was perhaps room to vote for Gulfside. 
but not 71 points. Hard to see. So anyway, it's uh, it smells, and the commission will hear uh, the Cherokees' objections Monday, and we'll see if they throw Butch Rice out or not. I mean, this thing's heading forward. It's this is going to linger like a boil for many years. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, f- well. Finally, the the Confederate statue in the Bentonville Court Square was removed, and and uh, this week uh, the statue in MacArthur Park in Little Rock was removed. Yeah, and you know this was sort of an odd. I mean, the way it ended up was the correct thing, and that is the mayor saying we're removing this statue, and it's a symbol of slavery and oppression, and doesn't belong on city property, and it's be gone. And and I, I have wholly agree with that sentiment and i've been raising the removal of this statue for weeks months years uh, because i don't think we should pay tribute on city property to defenders of slavery i mean who lost the war it's crazy but the the run-up to it was is somebody dumped some varnish on the base of the statue monday and discolored it uh i called about it tuesday morning it took me two days. I wasn't allowed to talk to museum officials under the regime of Frank Scott. You have to go through his private PR advisor. Got just the sketchiest possible information. Finally got some enough information to write a little something Wednesday evening. I asked him at the time, had they thought about doing anything about this statute in the context of the times with people removing these things all over the country? And they said, got nothing for you on that. Well, then Thursday... The statue disappears, and they put a box up where the statue used to be. And the museum says, well, we're removing it to correct the damage and to protect it for the time being. And the suggestion was it was going to come back. Well, then around 9.30 Thursday night, the mayor issued a statement saying it's gone, it's gone forever, and it needs to be gone. And as I say, it was just kind of weird. Where And then it turns out maybe there had been discussions with the state during the week because the state, it turns out, city owns a statue in the park. But the state has a historic easement on the, the property because they gave $100,000 three years ago to fix up the facade of the building. The military Museum was the Union arsenal that the Confederate troops seized in the early days of the Civil War back in 1861. So, but the state apparently has decided not to invoke the easement as a blockage to removal of the statue, which is significant to a certain degree. And that they say they will work with the city to relocate it somewhere and uh, and clear up any problems that remain from the easement they had here. The statue was on the National Historic Register, so it has some degree of protection from a from a public action. So anyway, the, it's a good outcome, but it's there's still the question of where it's going to go. Uh, several people have mentioned the Confederate portion of the National Cemetery where Confederate dead are buried, but. It gave rise to somebody asking a question of the governor about this today, and he, he deferred, saying, well, Stacy Hurst is working on this and on the city statue. But he was asked about the two Confederate statues on the state capitol lawn, which is really a bigger offense. I mean, the state capitol represents all of the people of, of Arkansas, and uh, we've got two monuments of slavery on the capitol on the capitol grounds. And he said, well, that's a matter for the General Assembly to decide, which yeah, is a matter of law. It's a matter of law. That's correct but it's also chicken shit. I mean, he ought to yeah. say what he thinks. Either they ought to stay or they ought to go, and he's just too big a weenie to do it. Okay, well, let's leave it there and, and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? No, I, you know, I don't think I have, I don't think I have anything. I, I, I mean, I can't think of a thing. I'm sorry. 
Uh, well, I will. I am Amazon. That. I like Amazon. And, 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 and just and just let me say this. We're, we're, we're getting our groceries now most of the time by calling it, ordering it on the website of Edwards and picking it up at the store. And it's working a lot better than Kroger. They got somebody dedicated to it. You pull up in the parking spot, you call the number, they come out with it. It's I've been very happy with Edwards, the curbside grocery delivery. I will say that. Yeah, we, we've, we've had good luck with them, too. Um, well, I will commend everyone this uh, new uh, series of protester profiles that uh, just went live on the Arkansas Times. It's, it's something that my uh, side project nonprofit, the Arkansas Nonprofit News Network, put together. Uh, and Eliza Bournet, the editor of the Oxford American, pitched in, volunteered our time, and coordinated the whole project. And uh, I think it's it's a really, really nice overview of uh, different folks who've come out to Black Lives Matter protests around the state, from, from tiny ones and places you wouldn't expect, like Batesville and Harrison, to, to some of the, the players in Little Rock, uh, to uh, a Harding University professor who's white, who, who grew up... Uh, you know, seeing a Ku Klux Klan rally, seeing a cross burn and, and talks about, you know, addressing his racism. So it's, it's a preview of something that's going to be in the Arkansas Times uh, print edition, but you can, you can read it online now. So check it out. That sounds, I, it's really, it's really been remarkable. I mean, I, and that, that's one of the reasons I, I was so mad at some of the stupid stuff the police said about Antifa or whoever and stuff. Overwhelmingly, these are, a really well-intentioned, broadly diverse, huge people who've gotten motivated. I mean, you know, you know, I, I'm not one to be optimistic, but you want to believe something's happening, you know? Anyway, yeah. I hope so. Me too. All right. Well, thanks uh, for listening, everyone, and stay safe out there. We'll, we'll be back soon. We'll see you. So I, you're, heading out, you're heading out tomorrow, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, have a good trip. Thanks.